It's 3.23 in the morning and I'm awake because my great-great-grandchildren won't let me sleep. My great-great-grandchildren ask me in my dreams. What did you do while the planet was plundered? What did you do when the earth was unraveling? Surely you did something when the season started failing? As the mammals, reptiles, birds were all dying. Did you fill the streets with protest when democracy was stolen? What did you do once you knew? You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. The story of Spaceship Earth is simple. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. Like a spaceship, we have a finite amount of supplies with an intelligent operating system called Nature, which keeps everything replenished as long as we all respect it and participate wisely. So a deep relationship with this mysterious system, along with spontaneous cooperation between humans and all life, is essential to keep us thriving and the spaceship flying. In this podcast, I'm in conversation with folk involved in regenerating life, shifting consciousness and reimagining how we can live more beautifully and peacefully. I talk with artists, writers, activists, designers, adventurers, healers, farmers, creative mavericks and more. Their stories invite us to participate in the co-creation of life-sustaining cultures. In service to life, becoming crew on Spaceship Earth. Greetings, uh, Earthling. Welcome to the podcast. This is Dan, uh, your host. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Spaceship Earth. Um, you heard in that intro uh, an excerpt uh, read by my fellow Becoming Crew guide, Eva Semenovich, an excerpt from a poem uh, by Drew Dellinger called Hieroglyphic Stairway. And that uh, that fray, frame, what did you do when you knew? It's a poem that gets me right in the chest. That call, what did you do when you knew? Those ancestral voices from the future. What did you do when, when you realised the enormity of climate and ecological crisis and how it's completely entangled with our modern Western ways of organising ourselves and, and relating to this living earth? Surely you did something, right? What did you do when you knew? It's a question that comes to me often um, and has done since I really understood our impacts on our earth system through this extreme extractive fossil fueled energy and resource intensive competitive ways of being on earth that drive western modernity global capitalism neoliberalism and are viewed uh, as our inverted commas normal way of life and our living earth 
is no longer able to sustain this craziness, this this spell, this separation logic. And we're beginning to see the manifestation of that now everywhere in Western societies through extreme weather, wildfires, water shortages, pollution of rivers, air, soil, species collapse, crop failures. And of course, all of this caught up in a distracted, divisive culture of denial, fear, an ongoing uh, narrative of human domination, control, and an illusion of technological and market-driven progress and AI taking us into the future where things will be better. Do you really believe that in your heart? This week, uh, we're seeing that the global sea surface temperatures are at an all-time high. Earth system tipping points. These are Earth system tipping points happening now. Parts of the Atlantic experiencing extreme heat waves. Not only does that threaten marine species, but all of our weather is determined by ocean patterns. All of the weather that we have on land in our cities is determined by ocean patterns. All our food systems are reliant on stable weather patterns. We depend on a healthy ocean for over 50% of the oxygen we breathe. Every second breath you take right now comes from the ocean. There is a complex web of relationships in the ocean that generously generates that oxygen. A healthy ocean isn't, isn't a nice to have. We can't survive without it. You won't hear this in the media, of course. We just hear of selfish eco-mobs interrupting our way of life. We live in a more than human world. We have been relating to it and to each other in such destructive ways. We can't keep extracting and burning fossil fuels and treating the living earth as a slave to human progress, where men in suits pull levers and make plans in rooms to control complex, vast, intelligent living systems that have taken millions of years to form. It's a total folly. We're in this weird tension of divisive realities and worldviews of what is true and what is real, where many of the things in our society that we used to hold on to for some kind of certainty and sense-making are breaking down and no longer making sense. And at the same time, it feels that even with a, an intellectual understanding of all of this, an understanding of this ultimately physics, that there is still reluctance, denial, from a big part of society and culture, especially media, corporations and politics, to step fully into this moment, to let go of the hubris of certainty and control and cultivate the humility and practice required to try and find ways through in new emergent ways, to recognise that the world is alive and we are a part of that, not apart from it. We cannot control it. We have to learn to move into relationship with life itself, to be in service to life. The conditions required for any business to thrive are unravelling very fast. Those conditions just won't exist for much longer. There is so much work to be done to halt the destruction of the living world, to prepare for what is coming our way and to begin to accelerate the growing of life-sustaining cultures and communities, to grow care, connection, community, adaptability and resilience. That's the kind of growth we need to scale. 
We're being called into crew mode. It's everyone or no one. There are no passengers on Spaceship Earth. There never were. We've been in a fossil fuel inebriated glitch for the last few decades, in an illusion of separation and domination of the Earth. It's time to cross the threshold and step into service, in solidarity to our past ancestors, our future ancestors, and of course with nature, our more than human family, the OG crew on Spaceship Earth. So, back to this episode. This is a reflective check-in between myself and fellow Becoming Crew Guides, Ever and Mark. It's a bill from our last chat in episode 63 in January. It was recorded in a meadow in Somerset at the end of a day we spent together a couple of weeks back. We reflect a little on the remix, our unlearning adventure for Story Rebels, which is now six weeks in, and then into this moment in time, this planetary crises, the poly crises, these divisive worldviews, the weirdness of these times, the, the challenge of these times, the endings of things, the beginnings of things. And we talk about what's yours to do, an experience we've developed to support teams in organisations to step into service, to fully step into the unknowingness and uncertainty of these times, to begin to build collective action for the future we will not see beyond our own internal agendas, beyond our B Corps status or our net zero strategies, to ask what's uniquely yours to do today right where you are so if any of this speaks to you do reach out and be in touch we're here and we're listening there's so much to be done this is the spaceship earth podcast a becoming crew base camp crew conversation episode what's yours to do you're listening to the spaceship earth podcast with my dad dan burgess so Mark, ever. Here we are. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Ah, thank you. Thank you good, very much. Good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> we're um last time we were gathered we were in a we were on Dartmoor. Um in January. Do you remember? It was very wet and uh we were sitting by a fire and it's now June we're sitting around a little fire it's very hot mm. <laughs> we're not in Dartmoor and very dry it's very dry and uh, we're in um, we're in Somerset just outside Bath and um, all suffering from hay fever <laughs> <laughs> yeah part of the poly crisis <laughs> everyone's coming down with the pollen crisis pollen, the pollen crisis <laughs> the pollen crisis just one of the many poly crises is the pollen crisis um yeah and it's um i guess the sun's setting isn't it so it feels like it is it is near the end of a long another long hot dry day a run of about two weeks of them which that when we were sat in that damp valley in january it feels like a different world away mm. but uh, it's very disconcertingly dry sitting in this meadow today in this june day 
June evening, really. Yeah, yeah, it's true, is it? Because we were literally um, felt like we were sort of in torrents of water when we we were on the moor. Yeah, I remember at one point I think we were sort of chatting and sinking a little bit into the couch and feeling like we will never come out of that little cottage. <laughs> And then we did make it out of it eventually. Yeah. The roads and the footpaths had become had become water, mm-hmm. become streams, and we're like, how are we going to get off this moor? Mm-hmm. But we did. <laughs> we did. We did. We got off the moor, and um, it's quite it's it's quite mad to think that's what's gone on since then. It's been quite an intense few months, hasn't it? Mm. Um, we launched the. We birthed and launched the remix, which was very much informed by our time by the Dutch. Remember? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the the result of the the chutzpah that we received from the River Dart. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. To to do something a bit daring. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but really, it was just a seed at that point. It wasn't. I mean, it was. If you think of the metaphor of that time of year in January, it was deep under the earth. We didn't know what it was. We just knew that we wanted there to become a thing. Mm. And if I remember rightly, there we just didn't know what that thing was going to be. And it actually took probably another six weeks from that moment to know what that thing was. So that was was mid-January, wasn't it? So, you know, it took us until things were properly just starting to pop up out of the earth when we had a sense of what the shape of the remix might actually become. Hmm. And now we're one month into... We're one month in. Into the remix <laughs> that we birthed. Yeah, yeah it's pretty one mad actually to, to think about it. One month into the three-month journey. Mm. And a lot's happened. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, you know, just just, you know, designing that and putting it out into the world and finding a crew that wanted to come and throw themselves into it that in itself was um that was quite a quite a um adventure mm. quite a humbling experience mm. really to to have a crew form around this idea really this inquiry of ours that actually you know it's it's the stories that we base our culture on that need remixing for these times you know, it's 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 it required people to step in, and it's really humbling actually that that the crew formed around that idea. Mm. Yeah, it's quite funny it's when you put it like that. Exactly that. Sort of that accepting that <clears throat> that acceptance of because uh, it was interesting putting that putting it out, and then the sort of feedback that we were getting as we were starting to bring people on board. Um. And, and you're getting that kind of exactly that. Like, what is this all about? Do you mean the stories are expiring? They're mm. tired. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a humbling experience, and it was. And I'm, you know, still can't quite believe that we're on the journey with this with this group. This amazing crew of folks, and and the guests that all said yes to come and. Take part in it, and um, and uh, yeah, we're a, we're a month in, two to go. What's been your 
What's been your highlights? Mm. My highlights, on in some ways, mm, well, being cracked right open by bio <laughs> on our opening night was quite something, for sure. Um, and I couldn't have imagined a better um, way to set sail than with with all the kind of like troubling, uh, a really good troubling that he brings in such a beautiful way. But I think um, just as I think about the, the last month and the way we've been weaving together this this community and this collective inquiry, I think experiencing the like the power of deep listening and it's you know and it's a sort of something that I have experienced before in different settings but I feel like every single time I am with you know a new group of people that don't know each other they're just coming to know each other and when when we can kind of like bypass the superfluous way of getting to know each other and really deeply listen to like what is it that each of us is carrying into here what are the big questions the you know the stuff that really allows us to to hear each other that the magic and the awe of of that connection yeah it it doesn't get old you know what i mean even if i've experienced it before and that's that's what I'm really with when I th- now when I think about the remix and the cohort that is that is forming and working together. That's what I'm with. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I, I think uh, just that sense of what it is to be human when you're actually just in a group, in a crew, hearing one another speak something that feels close to their heart is just such a powerful thing. And I. You know, we had a, a crew pod. We have the, these things called crew pods, which is like small groups. And we had a sort of what we call a mega crew pod session on Tuesday where we just had a, a group of six gather and just to hear people sharing and then really listening as a group to what people were sharing around what they're holding, the questions that they're holding. Uh, and just what a powerful experience it is just to witness somebody, even on through a technological medium like zoom how actually you can witness somebody in the power of of hearing somebody speak what is true to them it's just such a it's a beautiful thing actually to be a part of so yeah that really stood out for me too i think the other thing is just the power of practices because we talk a lot through the remix about how actually really remixing the stories that we hold is might come just from practicing different things and that so that is listening to one another and holding one another in that way but it also comes from the creative practice and i really enjoyed in all of the sessions that we had with guests remixes and some of the things that we've offered ourselves where you you offer a creative provocation and then just that invitation to freeform write or draw or in some way what wants to move through you onto a page as an expression 
of how you're responding to that thing and just the simplest thing in the world on so many levels and also so complicated on so many levels too and yet it's just so lovely to watch that flow happen that it's like a it's like a dance like a bit of reciprocity that happens some a provocation that's offered and then some things creatively move through the crew on onto onto the paper some things are born it's just such a yeah it's i guess it reminds me that just how much we are creative beings as humans and that's just been a, a beautiful thing how about you dan yeah i think i think it's all of that <laughs> all of what you just shared um i think it's just yeah sort of starting to see you know there's a there's a there is a there's a trust i think if you if you allow yourself to 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 move into uh, an experiential learning journey like this if you allow yourself if you if you show up you know if you um you show up and you you um you play with the practices you open yourself up to others in ways that most of us don't in our day to day you um you know you witness you give you allow that creative energy in you to come out and allow stop yourself from you know judging yourself and you know see the imposter for what it is you know and quieten that and just allow yourself into this i think when seeing more of this cohort moving into that space which has been i think you know catalyzed by all of these things you know some of what the guests are offering what the groups are doing supporting each other witnessing each other the creative practices the entanglement practices, you know, more people really loved seeing how people are sort of really starting to tune in to the landscapes around them and, you know, at different times, like the full moon that just went past and, you know, that invitation of the mischief moon and seeing everyone's kind of moon, uh, you know, reflections and, and, and yeah, so that's, that's, for me, it's just seeing, yeah, this kind of, these different threads being kind of pulled on by people and, and played with you know and, and seeing how that is that is that's moving folks and that feels really um you know like we've been so intentional about i think this work you know it, it's this is a relational inquiry you know you know the way we relate to life to the, to the world around us to each other to ourselves determines the stories we we get behind the stories we carry and and those stories then inform how we continue to relate to life around us so it's that that invitation to really notice and play and explore how we are relating you know how we are moving through this world at that relational level you know that feels where the where all the possibility lies and so so yeah starting to see folks in the in the cohort really really going going to that and opening themselves up and i think it's courage you know and I think, and trust, and that all comes, I think, from the crew, you know, the whole, you know, building that, building that. And that takes time. It's not easy to do online. It's not easy to do, you know, we've got, what are we, like 36, 37 plus five of us, you know, it's a decent, it's a decent group of people. And so trying to sort of, you know, keep build that trust, that, that connection and, you know, 
it's it requires effort from everyone and but i think feels like everyone is it is showing up and there's an honesty that i'm seeing and an openness and that's that's really lovely um and it's it's also difficult it's challenging it's challenging for everyone because you know we're living in absurd times you know it's like you know it's you can't really make up what's going on around us half the time i mean you look out into the into the you know inverted commas reality um <laughs> and what it's was the t-shirt <laughs> uh, reality really why oh yeah yeah really it why oh yeah that was it <laughs> but you know that. what i mean and it's you know i mean it's barking completely barking i mean it's more barking than i've i mean i've been looking at the barkingness of reality for a long time and I, it's never been so mad um and that's the context we're in and and i think people are also recognizing that's why you know we we've got to work together as crew we've got a we've got to find our way back into this living world we've got to you know we've got to open up we've got a experiment and so i think but it's not easy because everyone is you know carrying stuff and dealing with the complexities of trying to exist in this system and mm. <laughs> it's hard mm. um but i think that's for me just yeah it feels like why these types of offerings feel essential yeah you know and through that we can start to build i think it feels like we're building some there's there's a there's a new knowledge there's a knowledge being co-created through this you know yeah that feels that feels good I mean, I think it's it is in very interesting times is one way to, to describe it that we're living. We in. call them mysterious times, don't yeah, we? Mysterious, mysterious times. times. Because I, yeah, when when so many of the things that we've come to see as certain or as common sense or as just the way, yeah, you know, when they start to fall apart and they really start to crumble and make less and less sense that does create space and an opening for things that maybe we once considered like wacky, weird and like bizarre to actually like then that becomes an opening to step into that and think, okay, well, if the thing that I thought was really certain doesn't make any, doesn't make sense anymore, then we can step into the more, into the weirder moves, into the weirder shapes, mm. which I feel, you know, so much of our work is it's like can we um try out some of those weirder shapes together in community in a in a space that feels safe enough to do that and then have potentially the courage and build up the courage to continue with those weirder weirder shapes yeah you know in in the in the spheres of our influence mm. And, and, sorry, just one th before my, this is on my head about that. Nor this time, I was just thinking, like, I think I, I feel like the last couple of weeks that, like, in this country, you know, everyone's been obsessed with a TV presenter, right? To the point of like, yeah, right. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? Everywhere I look, everyone's talking about this TV presenter, right? I'd much rather be listening to Bayaka Malafi, Sophie Strand, Phoebe Tickell on a Tuesday night than watching this nonsense on our on our mainstream media. I mean, what, what, I mean, I don't understand what is going on. I mean, it's like that. I mean, that's just insane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think it speaks to that tension that that I notice 
when you do start to recognize the need for these new stories you do see start to see those new stories emerging and those new possibilities that emerge through the practices and then of course we all still live in a world where those old stories are still not just existing but in some ways thriving and are being perpetuated by the by the polycrisis by by the disastrous times that we're in so you find I think you find yourself getting stretched and stretched. You see, you're leaning more and more on the practices and moving you more and more into relational inquiries, into into what it is to be really together as a crew, as a community. Which, And then you find yourself still having to exist because we all have to, back in that world of those old stories which increasingly make no sense. So, you know, I really feel that sense of stretch mm. that comes from this inquiry. You know, the more you see the possibilities of the new the more the ridiculousness of the old becomes apparent and holding that tension feels really tricky and necessary. Yeah, and I think that it was when I look back to that practice we did with the remix cohort, I remember asking people to share the love and horror stories they're noticing around them. And like the breadth of those stories like from you know this the, the stories of the systems that we've built to like the little interactions of people's daily lives where they notice the yeah the lunacy of, of you know like i was really with with that that like yeah the scale is so you know to think how from from really really big systemic stories we get to these tiny tiny interactions there's there's something really interesting i think in, in what you talk about the stretch of things that like we're really finding ourselves pulling pulling being pulled across more and more and it, and it makes it really difficult to actually kind of like exist in the everyday lives and, and keep our sort of sanity yeah, I, I, mean, I keep going on about this. I think it's my neurodiversity, but that that sign in the in the in the in the garden centre I showed you today, you know. Mm. So on one hand, you know, we're sitting here. We know we're in an ecological crisis, right? We know species are <laughs> dying off, right? Ecosystems are collapsing, particularly in this country. Birds, insects, all this stuff, and you can walk into a garden centre and you see a whole uh, wall with a sign that says pest control and weed control control being the word pest also being a weed all these words these are stories right that we've decided that humans at the center and these are pests and we need to control them and these are weeds we need to control them and you've got all of that going on all this poison and chemicals and destruction being sold to you as ways to control things so that your garden is better and all that is doing at the same time is killing off the life that all of these creatures need. That on the other side of the garden centre, you're being sold bird food and this organic yeah. stuff and all this stuff to help the wildlife. On this side of things, you're poisoning it. On this, and it, that for me, it's almost like this—the most live example of the madness of this story of separation, mm. this story of the human at the centre, this story of controlling everything. Do you know what I mean? Ordering. And not being tuned into interconnectedness and that no otherwise would be so apparent. And no idea, but that through that very that very intention of controlling, you're destroying. And mm. you're destroying your own existence, ultimately. 
by breaking down these things. Mm. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast. The, the, the absurdity that I experienced when you were sharing that when we were actually in the garden centre earlier today was that on, on the sign for the bird food, it said the best organic bird feed. And yeah, like it could be the best quality Niger seed. But if you're poisoning all the insects, those goldfinches aren't going to thrive. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's, 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 when you break it down, it's utterly absurd. Yeah. And I think, you know, specifically when it comes to um, like weed control and glyphosate and, you know, selling Roundup in garden centers, I think what's really interesting is because I've, you know, I've been in a little bit of an exchange uh, with the management company managing the commons where I live around, you know, stopping to use glyphosate. And, and the argument that I heard was like, but we're only using a little bit. It's not like we're not spraying the fields like farmers do. And this idea is like, well, but I'm only using a tiny little bit in my garden. I'm only using a tiny, you know, this idea that we don't, that so many of us are still struggling to connect the dots, that me using a tiny bit, you using a tiny bit, you using a tiny bit is precisely the the problem because we don't exist in, in on separate little islands. Yeah. And then you go, at system level, why are people, why are we even be given the choice for this shit? It's right. just supposed to be banned. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, get rid yeah, of it. It's yeah. a story that doesn't make any sense. But to me, it's, it, it is interesting because it does, it, they, that stuff for me, it's just a very visceral, I don't know, just it aggravates mm. me, but it's a, it, is a, it is a story. It's a story of controlling nature, you know? It's of saying the human, you know, it's like the human, that's a, that's a pest. Those creatures, we call them pests. These plants, we call them weeds. Uh, and and who who says that like from who's you know what I mean and you and and this that this puts you in control first thing and then by the way all of these applications are killing off all this other life um, and it's a kind of for me it's just a very it just represents a tiny part of what the entire prob you know a lot of this stuff is is it's these stories that are guiding so much in our culture how we design how we make how we think about our our relationship with the world. They're manifesting everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Anyway, I could get we could get we could get really into one. Um, yes, we can but, rant about. But it is interesting it. seeing how it, I, I, mean, it was. It was a fascinating that exercise last week. Seeing how the cohort are picking up these, how these stories are manifesting for them, what they're seeing and witnessing and recognizing. And it re- remind me again of this importance of 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 all this work of noticing. You know, of becoming observers and listeners and noticers is is such a big part before we just pile in with more noise, you know, and more here's a new story or here but to, to be to be a real to really start to tune in and to become aware of how things do connect and disconnect just feels like such a solid part of of, of you know, of, of this of of becoming, right? Of becoming life centered, of of finding our place in amongst this this web of life requires it requires some some quietening you know and which is why i think you know that these these entanglement practices are also such a big part of what we're trying to support through this 
yeah, and that idea that those entanglement practices don't need to take place so in somewhere that's distant to you. It's actually what how can I entangle tangle myself with the place that I, I call home, place I live, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah, what what does that what does that practice of tuning in, what's that practice of listening to what the the spaces around me are calling for? Um, where where are they asking me to be in relationship with them? That whole practice of re-entangling ourselves with space and place is just it's it feels ever more critical in this, you know, these global complexities, these global stories that are falling apart, actually right underneath our noses might be some part of the way back to the answer. Yeah. So, it's June, it's getting hot, it's very dry. I have to say, like, my, my deep intuitive, my, you know, I've had this feeling in my body all year about the weather and about how I've, I've been freaked out a lot this year, pretty much the whole year about, you know, extremities that seem to be going on, whether it was masses of rain in at one point of the year, whether it was like, you know, spring was, remember I had a period of freezing and I was trying to cult, trying to germinate plants and, and it was almost impossible. It was so cold. Um, and now this, you know, it feels like we've been weeks, it feels like it's been weeks without rain. And I, and I, I get a sense we're going to run into water problems and, um, and it just feels like this, yeah, it's just getting really visceral. It's getting really real, this stuff, you know, this kind of climate, this climate breakdown. I mean, like it's, seeing like this week you know all these pictures of new york and all the fires in wildfires fires in canada you know 400 500 wildfires you know you've got i don't know what the temp you know what was the 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 was it the arctic summer ice now is is it melting completely now they think it's or it's going to be it's on its way out completely. Yeah, and there were just ice. extreme weather conditions in sort of Siberia and, and the Arctic Circle. Just yeah, the, the temperatures that are just off any recognised scale. Um, it's just everywhere, things are dialed up beyond any maxima or minima that we ever thought were possible. Yeah. So you have these first parts of sort of Earth's, you know, first tipping points on an Earth system starting to occur. You have, you know all the science seemingly, you know, uh, all the scientists seemingly, you know, head in their hands from what I can, those that I follow and look at, whatever. Um, and then we have this problem of responding because obviously what's driving this is a, is a way of being on this earth, is a way of relating to this earth, is a way of, you know, how we have designed our systems and organizations and structures and our ways of thinking and the stories therefore that keep perpetuating so we're in it's, it's such sort of it's such a deep relational crisis and yet it's being manifested through all these extremities of of climate and ecology and you know breakdown of these systems and 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 you look out into the kind of the media or the consensus space you know the consensus reality and it feels like we've never been more divided and polarised, you know. You've got, you know, Just Stop Oil, 
protesters, you know, rightly terrified, trying to, extraordinarily courageous people just, you know, trying to keep this in the public domain because that's the only way that keeps it in the media. Um, you know, <laughs> so you see people going, but I wish they wouldn't like stop, you know, interrupting our our way of life. And it's like, well, you know, this is the only thing that keeps the media talking about this stuff, unfortunately. Um, you're seeing more kind of like, you're seeing, it feels like more and more voices are speaking up to this, what's going on. And yet we have a political system that seems to be, you know, reluctant, you know, completely um, going the other way in terms of the protest, anti-protest laws, locking up protesters, going ahead with new licensing for more and more fossil fuel expansion. So it's, it kind of just feels like we're in this bizarre place, you know. And so you either go, and it seems to be very divisive again, and it's kind of like, I don't know, and it even feels like, it just feels very difficult to sort of sense where any <sighs> sensible change <laughs> is coming from. <laughs> I mean, relying on the old sort of structures and systems to make the changes feels like it's just not going to happen. No, and I, you know, what what I'm with is um, the signals that we're seeing of uh, planetary boundaries being crossed, right? Like there, there are radical adaptations to to the way we we are participating in life. Like that's. That's what's happening, and it and it is radical because you know the way we're, the way we're participating in life is 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 radic radically incompatible with planetary boundaries. So it feels like what we're being called to do is it has to be equally radical. The way we adapt to it has to be radically ad uh, radically um, to match that effectively. And you know, and and. I posted this today on LinkedIn, you know, I'm still with this idea that we all, we all want a thriving habitable planet. You know, I, I, that seems, that seems obvious. And yet so many of us are still, still on the sidelines of, of activism. And that still feels quite edgy for a lot of people, particularly at an organizational level. I think that feels difficult for a lot of organizations to imagine them stepping into to a kind of an activist space and so yeah i'm just quite curious about that about this moment where where we where it feels like we all we all know what we need to be stepping into and yet we're there's still that hesitation so i'm kind of curious as to how can we how can we collectively step into it yeah, how can we collectively move more rapidly to address the speed of change that we're seeing? And I reflect on how, particularly in organisational spaces, how, how because of the uncertainty, there's a need to try and create, create an, almost like an artificial sense of certainty. And that comes from long-term strategic planning. And we've all been there. You know, it's like we're, we're living in these mysterious times. Therefore, what we need to do is to write a, a strategy that brings us back into certainty. And I think that's where, you know, for all that, you know, organisations should have a net zero strategy, they should be working up 
a syst- systematic approach to it that I'm also really sensing that that alone is an inadequate response to the urgency of what we're seeing. And I think when I speak to people in organizations, organizations that are you know, doing, an inverted commas, the right thing by having these long-term strategies in place, that they're still feeling that that doesn't feel like, it's not, it's almost like it's not an embodied enough response. Like what, how, how are we, at, what are we doing today that's making the change? And on a, on a scale and an, on an urgency that is a, an appropriate response to what we're seeing. And I'm, I think there's just that curiosity about how those two things can meet. Again, it feels like it's a stretch, the stretch between the trying to put some certainty around it through long-term planning, yes, but also taking, just doing things that feel right because they're moving us into this new story. Yeah. I mean, in my sort of simple logic, I try and make sense of what's going on. I, I feel like why this is so difficult is because we're being called into collective action. We're being called into doing things that might not in the old story or the mod- story of modernity uh, ha- have some immediate obvious benefit uh, to an organization, uh, a person, whatever, right? We, we, we tend to, this, these systems tend to work on what's in it for me, have done, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's profits or opportunities or everything kind of works in this modern story around, you know, you do this, you get this. And we're being called to serve something way greater than our own little agendas, whether that's our own agendas with our shareholders, whether it's our board of directors, whether it's our, you know, this institution, this club, this whatever it is, you know, we're having to look outside of our little bound set of boundaries, you know, because we we live, you know, down to a, comp- you know, we, we exist because of a complex in, entangled biosphere and <laughs> climate and ecosystems that don't put little boundaries on and everything is participating to create the conditions for everything to thrive. And I feel like that's the shift. And it, and, and so I think, you know, there are so many things now, if we look at it really realistically, you know, the changes we need to make are vast. The time is, 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 uh, is, um, is very tight. And the quicker we start getting on with reconfiguring how we exist on the, <laughs> in these places, the more possibility we have as climate breakdown comes at us because that's coming you can't we can't change what is already baked in what we can change is uh, is the uh, is how we start to show up and adapt and evolve and and for some reason because it still feels optional to be doing that it still feels like well you know there's people out there sort of protesting and there's people out there doing regenerative stuff and there's campaign you know what i mean it's, it just still feels like it's kind of optional and 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 the way that things will shift is 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 when there is a movement of crews across sectors starting to act on behalf of the future that they will not see you know with that kind of selflessness that we're seeing in things like you know 
the lawyers are responsible movement you know in some of the the some of the ad movements you know that are going on where people are starting to see beyond their own their own agendas you know and and that's the bit which i'm that's the bit i'm constantly thinking like how how does you know why is that not happening what is it that's stopping more organizations particularly because there's so much there's so much momentum and speed and skills and energy and potential that could be brought into the mix by actually by supporting all the brilliant work that's already happening out there to try and slow the destruction that's going on we've got to try and halt the destruction of the living world which isn't as we said before it's not in a faraway land it's happening here like all this country is one of the most nature depleted countries on earth and it's and it's continuing constantly and there are people out there trying to protect restore um even on that level like what would it look like for organizations to start to support that stuff and governments will you know we see it we see it like you know occasionally you know look at i mean it seems insane that it's individuals you know greta that's gary lineker recently you know it's these people that when they put when they stand strong with their influence stuff shifts mm. governments buckle because they actually have no idea and as soon as the public start putting some proper noise behind something they shift and so that's what i'm really i'm really curious about how can we help with that like or how, what is, what's it going to take for more organizations to go because you i think it is there is a level of selflessness isn't it it's having to look beyond what we th believe is business or do you know what i mean yeah and ours I, i think you know within that selflessness i think there's there's an invitation to um examine the this the horror story of what our human nature is you know because i think when you talk about selflessness for a lot of in within a lot of corporate settings the story might be that we're we're not selfless you know and if you do something selfless well i can't i can't be selfless because effectively our human nature is to be in competition and it is to you know someone always has to lose in order for, for me to win and so i think there is a there's something around what we've come to understand or know human nature to be that needs to be um examined or the nature of of of, of life in some ways um and i think there's also something around inviting ourselves to to be surprised by our by our capacity for change um and it feels to me like in this moment where things are really so on the edge we really in some ways don't have anything to lose because business is not as usual and it won't be as usual it's, it's never coming back to the usual so we can we can step into this space of allowing ourselves to be surprised by what is possible for us as a you know as part of an organization and even if it feels that our organization has been really calcified and stuck in its ways and and i understand that i understand how it is to feel like you're part of an organization that is you know 
There's this huge ship that is really slow to move and any any internal change takes ages and it, it can feel quite helpless or hopeless. But I think that's the, in some ways, that is the potential of crisis, that is the potential of, of, of cracks, isn't it? Listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with my dad, Dan Burgess. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, you know, this this offer we've been exploring, what's yours to do, is is different because it's not what i think that's what i think we're you know i guess this 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 time it's not necessarily about trying to reinvent your business because <laughs> actually we don't have any fucking time <laughs> right it's about what could you be doing to support the kind of external cultural societal shifts that need to happen pretty damn fast how can your skill set your expertise your resources your ingenuity be of service in these times to collectively start to shift us somewhere. And I think that's what is different from this whole idea of like, how will our business evolve in 2050? You know, because frankly, we ain't going to get there. I mean, look, I mean, look, we're 2023 and look what's going on. Mm. But it's more about how do we, yeah, how do we step beyond our business, right? Still, still rooted in what we have as an organization, but how do we point it out into service in, in, in some way and I think that's that's I guess what we're we're inviting now mm. with what's yours to do and it's a courageous move right it's not I think not to underplay it as something easy is a, like a courageous step to see beyond your own business into the vastness of what what is necessary so there's a kind of courage that we're inviting really like just to step out of what you know into service to something much bigger than you it's like so i think what we're inviting really is if you know these times feel so complex if they feel overwhelming if the questions feel overwhelming to you then to see beyond what you know is actually a way of solving those of solving those uncertainties or well, not solving them but stepping into those uncertainties or starting to be in relationship to those uncertainties so you know what is yours to do where can i show up where can i start to make a positive difference what uh, that is mine uniquely or yours uniquely as an organization and what what is what is yours to do it's a really simple question but i i think and i hope it really gets into the heart of it it's like What's yours to do, to step into? It, it almost feels to me that we're asking organizations to kind of, or inviting organizations to help them figure out what their like ecological niche is. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, this idea of like, you, we're not asking you to create something new that is going to be bespoke and TM'd and attached to your brand or organization. <laughs> we're asking or inviting you to consider like 
who are you in you know the most immediate relationships with in in the places where you are and how can you be creating conditions for the life to continue to thrive within that ecological niche that you're a part of still connected to to you know to globe to global life to the larger web of life but finding yeah finding the niche within what it is yeah what what are your unique gifts and talents and what you're able to offer um yeah i, th- I think there's something quite interesting in in this idea of what what is your organizational ecological niche that you could be taking part in more consciously i, lo- I love that idea of ecological niche and i feel like you know it can you know that idea of if I look around this meadow, everything's operating within its ecological niche, contributing to the to the whole. But yet, but yet, none of them are none of them are planning in that way. They're just doing what they do, which brings me back into the the whole thing of practices. You know, this is like perhaps the way to find what's yours to do and your ecological niche is actually just about practicing behaving differently as an organization in a way that you're it's almost like that sense of living your way to the answers so like just just yeah be being in service by by being by the practices that you do the everyday behaviors that you do rather than designing a specific thing in order to find your ecological niche just be be it yeah so what what is it we're offering i forgot no (laughs) what is what's yours to do i think actually what's yours to do is one of our most more (laughs) graspable i was being um i was being being odd being damn (laughs) exactly being all damn come on let's let's explain for if if you're listening you're thinking this sounds really curious i I work in an organisation that really needs to pull its finger out. What is this what's yours to do? And how might it be useful to my organisation? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, really, it's, it's simple. It's, it is taking one day, one day out of your busy schedule. And we know everybody's busy. And so this is about taking one day. And it's about stepping into a place near where you are and i realize you might be in an organization that has multiple places but let's just take one place where you're where you exist and we'll work out in nature in that space and we will start to work with the questions that you're holding work with the anxieties that you're facing and through a series of practices as that day evolves where we'll actually start to look at what your unique role might be that niche place that you might um take up through it you will find practices that will lead you into that an answer to that question about what is yours to do i mean <laughs> how's that that's pretty good <laughs> good I'm getting i mean the elevator. It's, it's interesting isn't it because it's like um i think we we we've been you know have spent many 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 years working with organizations and brands and teams on processes and whether that's to create campaigns, whether it's to create platforms, whether it's to create products, 
Um, and increasingly, actually, over the last decade, looking at, you know, this kind of bringing into sort of, you know, branding, brands and creative activism, all this stuff, but ultimately quite long processes. And often where we, you know, we are looking for something to come out of the end of these processes. And I think for us, I think when we were, when we were sort of chewing on this, haven't we? and we have been, we've been spending um, a lot of time and figuring out where this becoming crew approach could be of most service, of most use in this time, right? Um, and we came quite quickly to the reasoning that we are not another consultancy service. We're not here to try and help another organisation find its regenerative vision, plan, process, whatever it might be. But actually, again, like in these times, what's required, what, you know, one space that is screaming for action is a more activist um, energy that's needed with inside businesses, organizations. And it's important to remember that, you know, activism takes many forms. There are frontline activists, right? So often protest groups, whatever you would say are frontliners, they put themselves on the front line. They put themselves right at the heart of where the, of where the, of where the trouble is, you know, and that's a massively necessary role, but that generates awareness. It generates noise. But there are many other, other spaces that need active energy, supporting activist groups, supporting campaigning groups, um, looking at kind of legal help, communications help, assets, resources, looking at how do you, you know, look at, I mean, the lawyers are responsible is such a brilliant example. Group of lawyers, a growing group of lawyers, looking at how their profession is <clears throat> inherently um, tied into keeping these destructive systems in place. So actually, how can you like then go, actually, well, what could we be doing within our profession to challenge those structures and those systems to to protect those that are trying to protect this thing and so this whole idea of like bringing this intelligence um that exists across professions and thinking we're living in a climate and ecological emergency poly crisis we're living in a pollen crisis you know we, we this is not things are never going to be normal even if they weren't normal whatever normal was but like the, you know the, we, you know, we're being called into service, right? And therefore, how can we help organisations, business teams find that place, find that thing? And actually, as we said, we we think in a in a day with some ongoing, we're offering our ongoing sort of monthly sort of peer support as well. Um, but ultimately, what can we do in a day to help people step into the natural world? begin to see how they are we are all entangled with this living earth and actually that's the root of these problems is this total breakdown in our understanding of our interconnectedness build these practices these awareness awareness things and start to like you say mark to help a team find their unique doorway into this what's theirs to what is theirs to do what is that theirs that theirs to step into and then and then to help support them from there and i think that feels and i think i guess to be fair as well we also w w feel that there is regenerative energy in this approach because it's also about allowing people to get out of the structure to get out of 
frankly, where a lot of the bullshit goes on, where no one really speaks to the problem of what is going on, because for a lot of our reasons, we have these structures and systems that that make it very difficult for people to actually ask the difficult questions, to sort of expose how they're feeling about these crises and their their tensions and the the tensions that you, we hold as trying to find our way in this, you know, one foot in an economic system which is built on death and destruction and one foot in a, in a world that's trying to sort of regenerate and heal. So by getting out, getting out into a natural environment and also, as you said, like close to where an organisation is based, start to allow you to see actually what is going on in this living world around us. Who, what is it? What is the state of it? What is at play here? So I think there was a, a degree of like, actually, this work is also about trying to empower people to become these, to become these, cha- to become the change, right? That it's not about a long drawn out consultancy process to try and come up with some answers. It's, it's effectively trying to catalyze a shift in feeling and responsibility and possibility of the things that we could be doing today to start to make the kind of shifts that are being called for. I think if 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 there was ever um, a place to see nature um, as a resource, it's like it's the it's the way to resource your your action and your capacity to act. Like because we know that you know. The reason why this offering is nature centered, nature based, and we and we do we ask people to get out of the concrete buildings from behind the desks is because we know that when we can remember and reconnect with our belonging to nature, that becomes a well of that becomes the source of then our capacity to 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 act and and to participate in life in ways that we perhaps didn't think were possible before that so i think you know that that feels really central we know that like the the answers or even moving to to towards answers to the poly crisis isn't going to come from flip charts and meeting halls and conference halls yeah. like we that's if if there's any certainty, I feel like that's as close to certainty we're going to get. Yeah, and and I think in the same token, being in nature is not just we're not just doing it because it's a place that might help us feel good. It it does undoubtedly, but it's actually that sense of of how can can through that connection to the natural world in the place where we are start to help us with creative possibilities. So, you know, it's not just nature as, an, as a nice thing to do. Um, it, you know, it, it, it is on lots of levels, but it's actually what, through all of our work, I've come to realise is actually it's a, it's a font of creative possibility. And that's, I guess that's the lens we want to, to explore our relationship with the natural world through, through this offering. It's like, how, what, what is, you know, like as, this, as we have been doing this afternoon, lounging around in what is actually a regenerative meadow in Somerset what what is what is that space offering us in terms of our own creative fertilizer in the same way that when we were in a you know in a deep river valley up on Dartmoor in January in 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 flooding conditions that actually in 
influenced the direction that we were we we ended up taking our work with becoming crew it's like it, it's it offers if you tune in enough i think all the creative inspiration all the creative possibilities that you need in order to step step into that service yeah and i think exactly if it's it's a, to to sort of hopefully catalyze that connection and that importance of getting of you know again of this dance between these environments like i can't see how any business is ever going to become sustainable net zero regenerative without a deep practice with the living world where they you know a, a re, you know deep regular practice organizationally individually because if you're not because that's what these words are, are all about it's about how do we is it even possible to coexist with this world we have not made you know to be sustainable to be regenerative you know that's that's at that level we're being invited to to step into and so this idea that that, that can even be achieved without even getting out starting to to immerse yourself in the complexity and the 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 unknowingness of how all of this exists and operates and the relationships that you know what i mean and to open up our curiosity again and and our humility to recognize that we are the babies you know the humans <laughs> we're we're the ones that need to become curious about all of this life you know how come this life has existed for millions of years and we haven't been around that long and we're heading you know we're 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 pushing ourselves to the right to the edges of of how long we can even exist you know there's a there's a there's a, an enormous invitation into humility that's being called for and and I think we experience and through all all the people that are working in this field of change you know and all the our ancestors and indigenous ancestors and all of the kind of knowledge that we can now access about that's the other thing about this time we're not we're not short of extraordinary information tools practices people knowledge it's never before have we known so much about what could be possible if we could only just let go of of what we thought was certain <laughs> you know um and so i think that yeah that that starting to see that connection that practice um is, is so fundamental to to any kind of regenerative future if that's even possible i would argue anyway we're looking for some organizations yeah. <laughs> to come and do this mm. come and work with i'm wondering if um if there's an invitation that you have the people and organizations, if you could invite them to something through this offer, what would it be? If I could invite them, as in... Yeah, you, Dan Burgess. <laughs> <laughs> RSVP. <laughs> Come and join me in the woods. <laughs> uh, that's a good invitation. That's a good start, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. good start. Or in a meadow. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, you know, I think we all speak for you guys, but I think we are, we are offering this out with open hearts, with a real sense of possibility. I think we all, I think we intuitively feel, I mean, we've been 
we've been again gestating this for months this thing mm. backwards and forwards what feels right what feels the most useful in this time and it can be of service and i feel like i feel excited by um what we can do with a team in one day mm. i feel genuinely excited because i know that we can help a team move a long way in a day if they are prepared to put the uh, put down the phones and step out and open up and open their minds and open their hearts and come out into the woods or by a river or in a meadow or wherever it is with us for a day i i feel that by the end of that day they will feel um energized and have their courage is rising and actually excited by by stepping into service because while there is a lot of fear in these times and about what we're facing into and about the letting go of all these stories and ideas that we have held so tightly there's an enormous is an enormous uh, more there's so much beauty and possibility in even in just stepping in and 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 being part of a collective shift to something more beautiful for something life sustaining for something that is that is uh, is is trying to bring a world or a way of being into the world that is going to you know be of benefit to our future ancestors and our more than human family i mean there's something really extraordinary about that when you went right when you make that when you when you've crossed that threshold when you recognize that and that you suddenly realize that all this bullshit of you know what are my impacts uh, next month next year that they all actually are just all that stuff just kind of does its thing like if you're working on something that's way bigger than you if there's a bit of your work that is just way bigger than your organization, it's that's extraordinary work. And so I feel that that's, you know, although there is, there is bravery being called, there's courage being called for, there's this need to be comfortable with not knowing. There's a need to not have answers. There's a, a way to be okay with not having answers. We're living in a time of, of questions and inquiry and collective learning. But there's also like extraordinary energy in that, isn't there? You know, uh, like you say, like when the old stories are just falling apart and more and more of us are seeing the insanity of inverted commas, you know, our way of life. There's something very energizing and hopeful about being part of a movement of people that are saying, no. This is bollocks. We need to do more than this. So we'll give people a good day. Mm. I'm confident of that. <laughs> I like that. Put your phones down, open your hearts and come hang out in the woods. Yeah. Step into service. Yeah. There's no better invitation than that. <laughs> hmm. So I love the fact that we, we started this conversation in like in uh what felt like broad daylight and how just now the sun's gone out down over the horizon and 
Just like the the sort of dawn core, the evening chorus, not the dawn chorus. It hasn't gone on that long, has it? The conversation, <laughs> the evening it's a really chorus. Really long podcast. It's just like it's just doing its thing. It's yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, just love watching watching things change in this way around a fire. It's kind of how it's meant to be, isn't it? Yeah, I'll say um, a big gratitude to Charlie and Rangana, whose land it is, for um. And what they're doing up here, tree source, and allowing us to come and um, ponder. Big gratitude the to the family of pigs who are to the pigs. With the pigs are uh, the the free ranging. They're they're um, starting to prepare the prepare the ground uh, for um, for uh, for new seeds and new trees mm. to be uh, to be planted. Mm. They came, gave us a visit, <laughs> looked at us, <laughs> laughed, yeah. wandered if we, off. If we can do like. <laughs> Five percent of the work they do, I'd be satisfied with my life's work. Do you know what I mean? I think they know what's theirs to do. Yes. Well, and, and they're yes. doing it they, so they, very yes. well. They do. And they yeah. yeah be know. more pig. No, no more pig. They don't need flip charts. They just they don't need phones. They just go off and do their thing. <laughs> <laughs> right then. We should probably stop there. Um Yeah, it's been a good day. Hmm. I think we should do it again if we did it again in January did one in June we should yep. probably do an autumn sometime yes. or, or an autumn reflection see yep. what see what we might be harvesting from this year from these summering meadows what what harvest can we uh, can we uh, harvest <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. what's yours to harvest what's yours to harvest <laughs> right then See you later. Bye. <laughs> Over and out. If you've appreciated listening to this podcast, would you consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a rating or review via your podcast provider? It helps more people to find us and we'd be most grateful. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation it's very much in the spirit of our um, our sort of opening up our own learning uh, and uh, adventuring with becoming crew trying to um, show our workings um, the questions that we're working with and exploring in this spirit of openness in these times um, you know we're all trying to find a way through so I hope uh, you took something from that if you are curious about uh, what's yours to do um whether you are in an organization yourself whether you're part of a team whether you're like thinking yeah we could do this um please reach out uh you can find uh, more information on the site becomingcrew.com forward slash adventures and you'll find us there what's yours to do um but you can get us you know drop us an email uh drop us a, a direct message um we are here to talk and maybe you know we're open this we're exploring uh, a number of threads at the moment we're exploring a place-based uh um uh, event in london in the autumn with a bunch of different organizations uh, maybe you're part uh, of a building that has a number of different orgs uh, maybe you could bring together you know um, representatives from different teams in different organizations we're very open so yeah i'm going to play out with the with an audio teaser of the uh, what's yours to do offer so um with that 
take good care of yourself. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you uh, are getting out into uh, our more than human world, re-entangling yourself with uh, your more than human family around you. Um, until next time, peace and out. This podcast is created in service to life for you. It takes time, funds and energy to make. If you'd like to contribute to the running costs, you can donate the price of a cuppa or a pint. Find the link on our website. This podcast wouldn't exist without the following crew. Charlie Shred, Audio Jedi. Seaman Home Burgess, Engine Room. Willow Burgess, Jingles. Dear friends, humanity is on thin ice and that ice is melting fast. Our world needs climate action on all fronts. Everything, everywhere, all at once. What is yours to do? What's yours to do? What's yours to do? Lawyers, advertising execs, musicians and hairdressers. Many people are beginning to ask, what does it mean to practice a profession in these times? Times of planetary crises. Join us for one day in nature as a team to connect with your unique form of activism true to your organization. A day to explore what is yours to do. Turning difficult questions into courageous actions. Developing practices to work with the uncertainty of these times. Connecting deeply with nature for resilience, creativity and insight in service to life. Not sometime in the future or in a far off place, but where you are right now, one day in nature, near a place you call home. What is your role today? What is yours to do?